Amen. If you please turn to, flip to, press Psalm 51. Psalm 51, Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. And uh, we've been doing uh, something here at Thrive, which is we've been introducing to you the brand new theme that we have for this brand new year here at Thrive, because we, we, we plan our year according to the school calendar. And so September is a brand new year. And many of you know that the theme for this brand new year for us is what? It's new hearts, new horizons. Everyone say new heart, new horizons. New heart, new horizons, because we believe that this coming year, God has new horizons for you to experience in your relationship with him, in your relationship with others, maybe in your career, in your ministry, the way you serve God, in your outlook, your attitude. I believe God wants to do new things in your life. If you let's say amen. But if you want to experience all of that to its fullest, very often we need a new heart because the condition of your heart is going to affect the limit of your horizon. And so we want to you know, be looking at you know, how do you not just experience a new horizon, but wh- how do you get a new heart in the process? And we have someone very special to bring the message to us today. Uh, and uh, let me just introduce him to, to you this way. There was a time at Thrive uh, when, when you look around the room, uh, this is before online, of course, uh, you wouldn't see anyone before, uh, under the age of 30. Oh, sorry, you wouldn't see anyone over the age of 30, uh, including myself. It's because you know, we started off as a, like a high school ministry. And so average age was maybe 15, 16, 17. Uh, and it was awesome. It was a lot of energy and it was fantastic. And, but praise God, over the years, God has really kind of expanded our church to be a church for people of all ages, all cultures, all ethnicities. If you believe it, say amen. And so we are a multi-ethnic, multicultural church here in Thrive. If you're wondering, well, you know, who are we as a church? We, that's who we are. We are a multicultural, multi-ethnic church because that's the kingdom of God. That's also the city of Vancouver. If you're wondering, wow, there's a lot of Asians here. And praise God, it's because Vancouver has a lot of Asians. Amen. Uh, but we're not an Asian church. We are a multi-ethnic, multicultural church because we believe that's exactly what the kingdom of God is about. That's our context here in Vancouver as well. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, and, you know, praise God, that also includes all, all, all sorts of age ranges as well. Uh, over the past week, I remember you know, congratulating different people over the ages of 60 and 70 on, oh, happy 65th birthday, happy 70th birthday. Uh, in some cases, happy 50th anniversary. Uh, and in the case of this very special speaker, happy 53rd anniversary, because Pastor Tim Ashoi and Sandra, they just celebrated this past week their 53rd anniversary. Yes, that's right. Give God a big hand for that. Is that incredible. That is incredible. Incredible. I, I, I can't even get my mind around that. 53 years of marriage. That is incredible. And Pastor Tim, of course, he's always a blessing whenever he comes to bring the word of God to us. He also leads our orphanage ministry to India, supporting orphans in India. Uh, and so he is such a blessing. He's here to bring the word of God to us. Before I ask him to, to come and share right now, I just want to get us to look and read the passage that Pastor Tim's going to be sharing on today. Pastor Tim's going to be sharing on Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And so if you have that, it's not in the screen. It's a partly a way to train you guys to actually look at your Bibles as well, because we don't want to be you know, spoon-fed all the time. We want to be able to read our Bibles uh, on our own as well. Psalm 51, if you have it, you can read along with me. If you don't have it, you can just listen up. Uh, Psalm 51, just going to read a few verses from that, so you have some context about what we're talking about today. Psalm 51, this is written by David. Uh, this is what he says. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Your face and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I'll teach transgressions, transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. With that in mind, could you please give a very warm, thrive welcome to Pastor Tim Ashoe as he unpacks Psalm 51 for us. I'm gonna direct your attention to the screen. Those of you online, keep on watching. Praise God. Let's welcome Pastor Tim to bring the message today. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor JB. It's wonderful to be here at Thrive. We love the people here at Thrive. We love this house and the purposes of God as they are unfolding in this house are wonderful to see and behold. And we believe that God has good things in store. Turn to somebody and say, God has good things in store for Thrive. We're so thankful. We're so thankful for what God is doing. And we're into this series of uh, New Heart and New Horizon. And uh, the Bible teaches us that out of the heart really flow the real issues of life. And uh, the people in this house, in this church, are people with a heart. From the heart... Many of you are here today serving God and uh, loving others. And, and uh, from the, the heart flows, again, the real issues of the heart. And uh, the Bible teaches us that we, we should do the will of God from the heart. And what we do, we do heartily as unto the Lord. And so... Uh, new heart is what it's all about, and of course that leads us to new horizons. And today I'm going to get into a story that has been referred to by preachers and different ones who teach the Word of God, and it's the story of, of a happening in David's life, and the, the chapter in the Bible is Psalm 51, and uh, there we find David is uh, unbearing his heart and talking to God. And, and uh, he had fallen in his life. He had, he had sinned with Bathsheba. Uh, and adultery took place. And, uh, and now, now what am I going to do is what kind of where it's at with David. In 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12... We read uh, the story of David's sin with Bathsheba and his betrayal of Uriah, her husband. And it's quite the story, and we're going to get into it a little bit today. Like many of us, when we fail in our lives, rather than come out into the open, we tend to cover up. Probably because we are ashamed of uh, what we have done and... Uh, and we feel like, you know, we just, we just can't be open about this. And so that's the tendency. And, um, and we find that, that 
David really, really plays quite a game in this, in this story. In 1 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, uh, he knows that he's, he's committed this, this sin and he's been involved with this woman. And uh, so he calls Uriah, who is a, a great uh, soldier in battle, in David's uh, whole regime there, and uh, he calls him and he says, you need to take some time out from battle. Come and be with your wife at this time. And uh, not only does he urge him to come and spend time with his wife and he wants him to spend time with his wife so that in the event that there is a child that would be born, it would appear that it would be Uriah would be the father and who would, who would ever find out otherwise? And so it's, it's a big cover-up. And uh, so he urges him to be with his wife. And, but Uriah is a very dedicated man. And he says, I, I don't want to do this kind of thing. He says, I'm, I'm concerned about the battle. Nevertheless, he yielded to what David urged him to do. And David goes so far as... Uh, uh, giving him a lot of wine and so on to intoxicate him. And uh, there's just a lot of stuff around the story that's very, very sad. And not only that, not only does he do that, not only does he bring him home to be with his wife in the, in the event that there would be, uh, uh, be a baby conceived, uh, but he puts him, after all of this happens, he, he puts Uriah on the front line of battle. And, uh, and there, Uriah is killed. And now his wife, Uriah's wife, is, is mourning his loss. Not only does she have to deal with what has happened between her and David, but now she is, uh, is mourning the loss of this dedicated man who's, who, who was committed to to warfare and, uh, and fighting for the nation. And then as time goes on, we find that David, after his death, David calls for her and he marries her. And in that space of time, they have a son. And of course, it is David and Bathsheba's son. And we know that all of this displeased the Lord very, very greatly. And, uh, and, and, and God was grieved, it says in verse 27 of that chapter, uh, all of this displeased the Lord. And, uh, and then the story goes on, and David's thinking, well, you know, I'm married to this lady now, everything's okay. But then Nathan the prophet comes on the scene and he tells a story to David about a rich man that comes and takes a poor man's lamb, a poor man's sheep. When David hears this story, because David, you know, generally speaking, he's a, he's a just man and he has a conscience. When, when David hears this story, he is very angry, and he calls for justice. And he says, the rich man should die and restore fourfold. You say, wow, David, you're really, 
responding to this thing in quite a, quite a manner. And then Nathan, at that time when David speaks that, he turns to David and he says, David, you are the man. You are the man that stole this little lamb and brought about a lot of destruction amid all of this. And Nathan the prophet speaks into David's life and he says, David, you are going to face some consequences for what has happened here. The sword will be in your house. In other words, there's going to be a lot of war. And we know that David was a man of war. And because he was a man of war, the Bible tells us that he was not uh, released by God to build the temple. His son Solomon would do that, but David would not. And, uh, and so... Um, the consequences of the sword being in the house, in other words, there'd be a lot of war that would go on uh, in his day, was what would happen. Furthermore, he said, your wives will be taken. Those who are in your camp and among those who serve you, their wives will be taken. And then the last thing that he says is, your son also will die. And this, this grieves David very, very very deeply. You look at this whole story and you say, what a mess. Can you imagine all of this, this going on in, in David's world? And, and, and of course, he is very crushed by, by all of this. He, he expresses it at one point. It was like all of my bones have been broken having to go through all of this. Dignity is taken away. What is private now becomes public. You know, the Bible does say that those things that are done in secret that are wrong, that displease God, are, often, are in one day often going to be shouted on the rooftops. And what was private in this instance became, becomes, becomes public. And out of this, because David is a man after his, God's own heart, David fasts and prays. The story you read about this, and he worships God, and he lays on the earth. He brings himself very low, I guess you could say, and also he goes to Bathsheba, and he comforts this. Psalm chapter 51, from that story, is the inside story of his turnaround, where he gets his heart right with God. You see, that's what's so important. If we're, going to have, if we're going to have a great destiny in life, if we're going to have new horizons in our life, our hearts must be right, and David does that. He fasts, he prays, he worships, he lays on the earth, and he, he does all he can for his wife. And uh, in Psalm chapter 51, we read about this this turnaround and him getting his heart right. And when that is all done, when that's all cleaned up with God, then you see he can step into what we call a new horizon. In Psalm chapter 51, he deals thoroughly with his heart issues. 
And, and this is what I like about David, even though this is such a crushing experience and so, so embarrassing and so difficult. Uh, David calls on God for mercy. You know, our God is a, is a merciful God. His mercy reaches h- higher than the heavens. He, he reaches out to humankind in, in, in loving kindness and in mercy again and again. One of, the, one of the parts about God is that he is a God of mercy. We do not get what we deserve. We get mercy. And we, we experience this again and again in our lives that while we should maybe get punishment, God says, no, I'm going to give you mercy instead. And then number two, we find in Psalm chapter 51, David cries out to God and he's asking God to blot out his transgressions. David knows that he does not have the power to forgive himself. Now, there's a lot said, you know, you've got to forgive yourself. But bottom line, we have to have something higher than us to truly forgive us. God must be involved. We must ask God to blot out our transgressions. Now, for us to agree with what God is, says he will do when we sin, that he will, he will forgive us, that's one thing. But we really cannot deal in depth with the sin issues in our life. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us. And if our sins are going to be uh, blotted out, it, it takes God. It takes Jesus Christ. It takes something supernatural. It takes a power that's greater than us. Can you say amen? And so the third thing we notice here in Psalm chapter 51, uh, he cries out to God and he says, God, please wash me and cleanse me from my sin, which was before you, O God. David recognized that his sin was before God. Uh, he, had, uh, he had hurt the heart of God, as it were. And, and now he's coming to God and he's saying, God, I want to be right with you. And I want you to cleanse me from my sin, which was before you. He says, before you and you only have I sinned. Number four, he did not minimize or excuse his sin. He, he called sin, sin. And he, he, he noted the fact that, uh, in another point that we're coming to here, that it's in man's nature to sin. We are sinners by nature. It's not just that we sin, but we have a sin nature. And this sin nature must be dealt with the way God uh, has purpose to deal with it. And so he wasn't minimizing this. He recognized his sin nature. His sin nature. And uh, then in dealing with God in all of this, the first part where he, he's dealing thoroughly with his heart issues, saying, God, I need cleansing from you. And then the second part is he realizes the promise. And uh, the promise in Psalm chapter 51 is that, you know, cleanse me and I will be whiter than snow. What good news. You know, this is such a horrible thing. It's such a dark thing. It's such a black thing. The thing that I did was, can this ever be erased? Can this ever be taken away? And David 
realizes the promise of God is that we can have forgiveness and we who are living with darkness on the inside of our heart can have our hearts cleansed and our hearts can be made whiter than snow. And so he realizes the promise. You see, when we're dealing with our sin and we're dealing with God, we, we can't just confess our wrong, but we also must confess the fact that God has something better for us than we are in. Repentance is one thing. Restoration is another. And, and David went through re- repentance But then he also came into restoration, where he realizes the promises. God saying, I will make your sin whiter than snow, and and my presence will be with you. God's presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit. He he realized that that came to him in, in this process as well. Then a clean heart and a right spirit. He realized that this is all part of the package as well. This is all part of the promise. This is what God wants to do in our hearts. Give us hearts that are whiter than snow. And then we experience his presence. Then we experience this clean heart and a right spirit. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. See, that's what God's looking for. He's looking to restore his people to a clean heart and having a right spirit within them. Then he goes on to talk about joy and a a free spirit. Uh, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uh, renew a right spirit uh, uh, and give me your free spirit. Give me the joy of your salvation, and I want to have this freedom of spirit within me. You know, many times we can get locked up in our spirit, and we're not free in spirit. But God wants us to have that freedom, that right spirit, and have the joy that comes from the salvation that comes from God himself. Then he goes on to say, God, I want, I want this to be so real in my life that others will hear about what happened in my life and they'll become converted. Isn't that a wonderful thing? This is not just for us. This is not just for us getting out of our pain, but we're going beyond our own pain and caring for others so that others will hear the testimony and they'll see the work that, is, that God has done in our lives. And others will be converted. Their lives will be transformed because they, they hear the message of salvation. They, they hear the message of God's mercy and it gives them hope in their life. And they too will be converted and turn toward you. And then ultimately, in Psalm 51, we see how David is praising and worshiping God for all that God has done. You know, ultimately, the plan of God for our lives, yes, is to have a new heart, new horizons, but in all of it, we want to see God glorified. Can you say amen? We want to see praise and worship to the name of our Lord our God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we want to worship him. We want to praise him with a free spirit, with a clean heart, 
And, 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 and that's what David is processing here. And that's what he's coming into. That's why he's known as a man after God's own heart. Now, amid all of this, as I study this, I, I believe a new horizon from that time forward begins to operate in, in David's world, in his life. A new horizon. And it's like the kingdom of God is, is going to start to break forth. And you say, where do you see that? I see that in when Solomon is born. Solomon comes on the scene, and the, word, the, the name Solomon means peace. And, uh, and when Solomon was born, there was a, a new hope, and there was a new horizon that would be forthcoming because David had processed this, but now he brought forth a son, and God would use his son in due time to bring forth great things in the nation. You see, as we allow God to purify and do all he wants to do in our hearts and in our lives, there are new horizons. I've seen it again and again with people. They were in despair. They messed up, in, messed up in their lives. But they come to God like David came to God. And they begin to cry out to God and say, God, I need help in my life. I'm confused. I feel, I, I feel so, uh, so destroyed on the inside and, and, and beat up on the inside. And my life is, is nothing. But they begin to cry out to God, turning to God in humility and then God begins to give promise, and all of a sudden, new horizons open up in the lives of people because they've humbled themselves before God. God has come to cleanse them, and then promise comes, and new horizons come with the promise. In verse 18 of Psalm 51, David says, Do your good pleasures unto Zion and build the walls. It was like, God, you're going to do something new and something fresh. Uh, there, there's going to be good pleasure in Zion, and, and I will build the walls. Think of the new horizon that came beyond, beyond David's failure in Solomon. A new horizon came. There was new hope that came because Solomon would come on the scene. First Kings chapter 4 and verse 30 tells us that when Solomon was breaking forth in his life and he came after he had, had encountered God in his life and he asked God for wisdom and God gave him wisdom, here's what came. You talk about a new horizon in 1 Kings 4.30, it says, Greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt was the wisdom that Solomon had. He had something that eclipsed anything that was going on in, in, in any other nation. You talk about a new horizon. Amazing horizon came and opened up because Solomon came on the scene. Here's some of the things that he did. He built an amazing temple to the glory of God. 
When that temple was dedicated, there were 120,000 sheep that were offered in sacrifice and worship to God. This man, Solomon, uh, acquired for the nation and even for himself amazing wealth because of wisdom. Wisdom brings wealth and well-being. Had, so 120,000 sheep were offered in sacrifice and worship to God. He had 40,000 horses. That's a lot of horses. Gardens and pools of all kinds. Trees. And uh, all kinds of people were employed by Solomon to do the things that he had in his heart to, to do in wisdom to build a, an amazing kingdom. Gardens and fruit trees and and herds and flocks and uh, anyone before him did not have the kind of silver or gold or treasuries that Solomon had. And he fortified the walls of Jerusalem. And the queen of Sheba, when she came to visit, she was overwhelmed with all that she saw in the kingdom that Solomon had built with the strength and, and wisdom of God. Uh, I want to say today, you know, you, you might be in the place where David was. You've messed up in an area of your life. You say, is there any future for me? Is it, could there ever be any kind of thing called like a horizon in my life? I have good news for you. God loves you. He wants to forgive you. And I'm believing and I'm saying to you, don't quit. Wisdom and prosperity are coming as you call upon the Lord. In the genealogies, we learn that Jesus came through Solomon. Amazing. Came through this, through David and Solomon. And uh, how wonderful it is that that God would choose to have David's name and then his son Solomon in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. What, a, what, a, what an honor. And so this is how Jesus came. He came into the world through that, through that family line. But when Jesus came, the Bible tells us in Matthew 12, 42, that a greater than Solomon is now here. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so the, the ultimate, the ultimate one is Jesus Christ. The ultimate new horizon is not Solomon or David. Human beings fail and, uh, and they fall and they disappoint us. But Jesus Christ never fails. Jesus never fails. Uh, he has never fallen from grace uh, or fallen into sin. We can trust him, and, and he has become our Savior and our Lord and the one we can trust in totally with our lives, believing for what we're talking about, a new horizon. God knows what can happen if we allow him to work and give us a new heart. There will be new horizons. Because the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Or as another translation puts it, Christ in you, the hope of excellency. 
Oh, it's wonderful what Jesus has done for us. And I'm presenting to you today, even though you might be in despair, feeling there's no hope, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Ephesians tells us he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the spirit that works within us, according to the, the kind of heart that he puts within us. God, God said to Ezekiel, he says, I'm going to put a new heart in people. I'll take, a, take away the old heart, and I'm going to put in a new heart. And that heart in you will mean you have hope for new horizons. Wonderful life. God gives to us a wonderful, wonderful life. And it's promised in Jesus Christ. Like with David, you know, weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You may be in a weeping, weeping, wailing spot in your life now, seeming like, well, is there anything beyond here? Pour out your heart to God. Trust in Jesus. And like with David, the weeping will only endure for a season. But joy is coming in the morning. A new horizon is coming your way. New hope. New things are going to be birthed out of your life. And like David, you can birth a sort of Solomon. And when I say that, I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about that which is exciting, that which is Amazing that which is which is 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 life changing can come from your life. You can be used by God to birth a Solomon, and a, a Solomon can bring forth a new day, a new dawning in your life and in my life as we trust in Jesus. And I I believe that you can have a a bright sunrise in your life. You can take hold of the promises of God. The Bible tells us that he has given to us exceeding great and precious promises and that by these we become partakers of the divine nature. So God's got so much in store for you and for me. New horizons are coming. Yes, you might be going through this valley now and it seems so, so dark and so deep, but God took David beyond that and David realized great new horizons. I want to bless you with this word today, trusting that you will be in the days to come looking back and saying, hey, that, that, that was only for a season. But now, wow, a new horizon, a new life, great things, great promises, great hope. God bless you. Pastor JB is going to come at this time. He's going to lead you further in, in committing your life and doing the will of God. God bless you. Thank you so much for hearing today. I want to thank Pastor Tim for bringing that message to us today pointing us to the hope that we have in Jesus. The idea that hope lives here isn't just a t-shirt that we wear, but it's actually the truth. It's, it's who we are when we have Jesus in our lives. We have hope that is stronger than whatever else it is that we'll be facing. You may be going through a really tough time right now, 
but we would absolutely believe that with the power of God at work in your life, a new horizon is possible. It's not about how much we can kind of muster up our own strength to hit that new horizon. It's about leading or letting God lead us to that new horizon when he gives us a new heart. If you let's say amen. Before I lead you in prayer, let me just share with you a really quick story. Is uh, I've got two sons. My younger son is three. His name is Caleb. And every night, we'll do this actually with both of our boys, but before they go to sleep, we'll put Caleb in his crib, and Pastor Charlie and I will always pray the same prayer for our son. We'll always say while he's lying in bed, uh, you know, Jesus, thank you that Caleb is happy, healthy, wise, strong, loving, obedient to God, obedient to his parents, and brave. May he continue to grow in all these ways. In Jesus' name I pray, and then Caleb always goes, amen. Right? And, uh, and we pray that all the time. And then whenever I go, whenever I leave the room, because Pastor Shar stays with him in the room, I'll leave the room and I'll just go, okay, love you, buddy. Good night. I'll see you later. And then I'll close the door. Lately, this past week, I've found something happening where whenever I will leave the house, he will always say something to me. He'll go, I love you, daddy. We'll say that every single time nowadays. You know, sometimes it's me leaving the house. Sometimes it's him leaving the house and I'm staying at home. He'll be like, he'll wave and go, I love you, daddy. Sometimes I love you so much. You know, and, and it's one of those things where you can't help but to feel touched as a, as a, as a dad. That when, you're, when, when your kid would kind of go out of their way to say, I love you, it means something. And why do I mention that? It's because how many know that you have a heavenly father who loves you and who has been loving you long before you ever knew what love is? And, you know, whether you know it or not, the Bible says that God's heart is touched when we draw near to him, when we do things, say things, to show that we appreciate him in our lives. And it's not because we first loved God. It's because God first loved us. And maybe you're here, and this is kind of like your first time in church. Maybe you're new to church. You're just kind of exploring. Maybe you're kind of just trying to figure out what is this Christianity thing all about. Maybe you're new to Jesus. Maybe you're coming in from another faith background. We're so thrilled that you're here. We hope that you find it's a safe place for you here. And you're kind of wondering, what do I do with this message I've just heard? What's the next step I can take? Can I give you a next step suggestion? And what you can do is you can open up your heart to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. Today we're talking about how important it is to have a clean heart in order to hit a new horizon. The fact is the Bible says all of us, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, we don't have clean hearts. You know, we, we fail. I fail in more ways than I want to admit. And the fact is, you know, some of us, we you know, deal with a lot of regret and a lot of shame for things that we've done. But the grace and the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, we can have a new beginning. That when we were separated from God because of our sin, had no way of reaching him, not now, not ever, not on earth, not in heaven. God didn't just leave us be, didn't say to hell with you. Instead, he did something else. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins to show us just how great his love for us is. And so that we could be forgiven of our sins, our debt could be canceled, we're reconciled to God, have a relationship with God, not because of how good we are, but, but, but because of how good God is. And so can we give God a big hand, a big shout for that right now? Praise God. Praise God. And not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but unlike anyone else who ever talked about God, Jesus rose again from the grave to show that you can trust every word that he says. And so if that's you and you realize say, that you've never opened up your heart to Jesus that way before, you never asked him to forgive you of your sins, we want to give you an opportunity to do that um, because it's the most important thing when it comes to where you're going to be with God here and now, but also forever. And so what I want to do with you right now is those of you who want to take that next step of asking Jesus to forgive your sins, it's really simple. We're going to pray a simple prayer. It's not so much the words you speak as the attitude of your heart, but we want to give you a guide so it's kind of easy for you to do this. Uh, what you can do is you can go 
to uh, that QR code, scan that code, or you can go to mythrive.info and press a button that says, I want to receive, I want to ask Jesus into my life. Uh, and, uh, or if you're watching online, there's also a link in your chat room. And if you click that link, if you scan that code, it's going to take you to a page with a prayer on it, a really simple prayer that we'd love to lead you in today uh, to ask Jesus to forgive your sins. And so if that's you, I encourage you to do that right now. And so that you're not doing this alone, I'm going to pray this prayer with you. So you're not doing this alone, all of us are going to pray this prayer together. If you pray this prayer before, I encourage you to pray it again with those in support of those who are praying for the first time. Um, and so we'll just do this together with me right now. Would you just, you know, bow your heads, close your eyes. Those of you who need to read, just read that prayer. And I'm going to pray it with you and just repeat after me uh, something along these lines. You can say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's great. Those of you... Those of you who prayed that prayer just now, if you meant that prayer, God hears that prayer. And what that means if you meant that prayer is that you are a child of God. You are forgiven of your sins. You have a new beginning, a relationship with God, not based on what good you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. So a big congratulations to all of you who prayed that prayer just now, both on-site, online. We've got some gifts that we want to give to you. If you go to the bottom of the page with that prayer on it, there's uh, some gifts that we'd love to send to you just to encourage you in this relationship with God that you have. On top of that, we have a couple ways to encourage you. We'd love to see you keep on coming to church. You know, every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family here at Thrive. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a, uh, it's not a graduation. Baptism is a beginning. It's you simply saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a Savior, and I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me. And so it's a simple step you take to get dunked in water and if you want more information on that want to get signed up for that you go to mythought.info press the baptism button we'd love to help you getting baptized